One way investment managers encourage responsible behavior is by raising environmental, social, and governance issues directly with company management. But some approaches are more successful than others. Today, we'll talk about amplifying the impact of engagement. Welcome to Bernstein's Inspired Investing, where we inform and educate nonprofits and individuals striving to invest purposefully and with a mission. I'm Travis Allen, Senior Investment Strategist and Head of Responsible Investing for Bernstein Private Wealth. Today, I'm joined by Sharon Fay, Chief Investment Officer for AB Equities. Welcome, Sharon. Travis, thank you for having me. As I mentioned to some of my colleagues this morning, this is my first podcast, so I'm very excited. Well, we are excited to have you and uh, glad that you chose us for your first podcast. In prior episodes, we talked about the rising demand for responsible investing, and then we focused on climate change and some of the investment implications. Today, we're going to focus on an important tool in the Responsible Investors Toolkit shareholder engagement. It's an often misunderstood term. And so I'm going to ask Sharon to really start with the basics and tell us what do we mean when we say shareholder engagement? So Travis, shareholder engagement is a critical element of being an active owner of a company. Equity investors engage proactively with the management of publicly traded companies and it's not just an opportunity to learn about more about the company's business and their strategies, but it's also an opportunity for us to share our insights on how an industry is developing and what competitive strategies we think will work or maybe not be so successful for a given company. And I think an important element of that engagement is the two-way dialogue, because in many instances, we really hope to promote some changes in corporate behavior or some changes in direction of the company to the long-term benefit of the shareholders. So thank you, Sharon. What's interesting about that is how different that sounds from what oftentimes gets mistaken for shareholder engagement, either in the press or on TV in the media. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about the difference between activism, which people talk about a lot, and shareholder engagement. Yeah, so I think one, yes, activism has clearly been in the news um, a lot, particularly over the last decade, as there's been a real explosion of funds that are focused on trying to exploit opportunities for short-term gain for companies. And I'll talk a little bit about what I mean by that. I'd contrast that with what we try to think about, which is much more of a constructivist approach, right? Constructive engagement with companies, again, with a view of increasing long-term shareholder returns, but without all of the threats, the drama, the intensity that often accompanies many of these activist campaigns. So Sharon, maybe you can just share one or two examples of how that engagement actually takes place in real life. Yeah, so I think that in the normal course of doing research and evaluating investments for our clients, our industry experts are constantly in dialogue with management teams. Um, And sometimes we are in complete agreement about what they're intending to do for their shareholders, and other times there are points of tension, 
where we just don't think the action they're planning to take is is really in the long-term interest. And there we'll engage a company with our thoughts with senior management of why we are skeptical of their strategies. Um, If we don't feel like they have listened at all to what we have to say, which is rare but occasionally happens, we will then engage the board directors of that company to try and really elevate what we think is an important business issue that everyone should be focused on. Um, But we try to do that in a way that at least maintains a dialogue with that company because that dialogue is important in our long-term, you know, ownership of that company that we have a at least constructive relationship with that team. And I know that more and more of the dialogues are around environmental, social, and governance or or ESG concerns. And so uh, is there evidence that this engagement from an ESG standpoint is starting to have some positive impact or is enhancing returns for the portfolios? Yeah, so I think there are a few different ways you can think about the impact we can have as investors. So I'll give you the example of a mining company that, you know, most responsible investors hear mining and they say, oh, no, I can't own a mining company. But this company mines nickel, and nickel is a critical component in the batteries of electric vehicles. So if we want to electrify automobiles, we're going to have to mine some nickel. It's just, it's just what has to happen. So we've been following this company for a long time, and probably 10 years ago, really started engaging that company on cleaning up the mining process. Their mines are located in Siberia. They were built in the 1940s, and so you can only imagine how much emissions comes out of this process. So the first five years, they didn't really listen that much to what we had to say. But over the last five years, it's been completely different, right? They actually reached out to us and said, well, what are some of the ideas you had on how to mitigate these emissions? Because they were waking up to the fact that more and more investors are going to care about this and that they were an industry that was important long-term. And so that company has materially changed the process by which they mine things, the cleanliness of their furnaces. They've retired some of the 1940s factories and are on a path to continue to do so and even take that further with carbon capture technology. So it's a very different company 10 years on, but you have to have some patience in terms of waiting for that. Well, thank you for sharing that example because it reminds me of one of the things we worked on as we built out the asset allocation, the purpose-driven asset allocation. One of the things we discovered in doing the, the research to build that out is that, of course, if you only looked at ESG ratings that you can get from third parties and picked a portfolio from only things that are already rated as the best that should be reflected in the stock price. And and so what we decided to do is to really focus on what you just brought up, which is, well, are there companies that are improving? And will that improvement eventually flow through to their financial results and their, their stock performance? And so that is um, a perfect example of what we're trying to accomplish in the allocation. So what are some of the other trends that we're seeing in shareholder proposals? What are the big issues 
that shareholders are focusing on as they engage with companies today? Yeah, so I think you've seen a real trend in the last several years to more shareholder proposals being put on ballots. I'd say the bulk of them continue to be about governance, right? Whether that's an entrenched board, whether that's about diversity amongst their board. There are a whole host of issues that investors have really taken to heart and been pushing public companies on. I'd say where you're seeing maybe some changes in the recent past is how many shareholder proposals are being put forward for technology companies, right? And those are, while there are some governance, a lot of those are more about environmental or social impacts of those businesses. And in the case of Amazon, some of those proposals actually came from their employees, as well as the shareholders, which again, that's a brand new, I'd say, evolution in kind of activism of staff members in trying to change their companies. But it's been very interesting for us to engage the senior management teams, as well as the sponsors of these initiatives, to really help drive the appropriate changes. So Sharon, can you share an example or two of AB's engagement with companies and what we're trying to accomplish as we deal with some of the ESG issues that come up. Sure. So, you know, I gave you the example of the nickel miner and which was a long-term engagement, but we're also engaging with major oil companies, which again may seem a little oxymoronic in a responsible investing platform, but the truth is these companies have a lot of good technologies around renewable energy. And by promoting their increased investment in this area, it's really critical for us to transition to a low carbon or carbon neutral future that these companies are part of the solution rather than just being the problem. So it's really about capital allocation input and you know, kind of being willing to support the companies in looking at these as long-term investments. So, so what do these conversations look like? Who's actually sitting in the room as, as these engagements happen? Yeah, so they span a lot of different forms, as you might imagine, but oftentimes it is senior management of the company, the CEO, maybe the CFO. Many companies now have a chief sustainability officer, and from our end, it would be our industry analyst, who's really an expert on that company and that industry, in combination with a member of our responsible investing team. And that person is really an expert in either governance or environmental issues or social issues. So when we get that analyst from the responsible investing team sitting alongside the industry specialist, we can have a very rich dialogue with a company. Um, and I'd say that those are our most productive engagements where there's really a back and forth across the table and really around the table. And so how does uh, management typically react to these suggestions? Are they receptive? I'd say once again, there's a range of reactions <laughs> uh, to those engagements from um, a CEO of a major oil companies saying he will not discuss climate change with investors. So that would be one end of the spectrum. 
um, to the other end of the spectrum where companies really are trying to better understand what's important to their shareholder base, particularly their long-term shareholders, right, who are going to be with them over the years it's going to take for some of these investments to pay off. And they are receptive to a dialogue and to learning from what we're learning that we'd say some best-in-class companies are doing that they should consider emulating. And again, our recommendations are very specific about that company and their business rather than just some generic, you should do this because it's good. It's really very targeted to what is most material from both a financial standpoint to them, either risk or return, um, as well as has an important impact on their footprint in terms of the environment or social footprint. So within that wide range of different conversations, especially with that example of the oil executive saying, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about climate change. How do you define success? Much harder to define success because you can't always perfectly measure this, right? So were we the influence of that nickel miner changing, you know, their technology I doubt it was just us, but it was likely us in combination with other forces that are happening in the wider universe, right? So I would say that sometimes you can, I guess, attach a thread from one point to another and say, yeah, that's pretty much a direct line. I think we had that impact. But oftentimes it is you amplifying broader issues that are being brought by other shareholders possibly by regulators threatening to regulate industries in certain ways. But I think one of the things as a global investor that we really bring to the table is we've seen companies across the globe tackle some of these issues. And so we can share that perspective with companies. And, you know, over time, I think we're going to try harder and harder to see if we can measure the exact impact But so far, that's been the holy grail in our business. No one has been able to crack that. Uh, But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. I agree. And I know that not all of the proposals that we support pass. But what is the importance of putting out the proposals anyway, right? I know that sometimes there are things you support, and you know there's a very slim chance that it's actually going to pass but what sort of message are we sending to management by, by the fact that as a shareholder, we're stating our position? Yeah, I think it's a pretty important message. And if you think about what happens in a boardroom or what happens with the senior management having their you know weekly team meeting about where's the company going, when a third of your shareholders want you to consider something, it's kind of hard to ignore that, Right. And, and sometimes it might take that proposal being put forward a couple of years in a row before it really starts to impact your behavior. But we can track over time some companies who have had these types of proposals. They have been defeated in the vote, but then two years later, their policies start to evolve in the direction that that proposal started with, right? Because it is a direction of travel that the world is moving in. And so I think it just gets higher up on your to-do list if a lot of your shareholders are saying, this is important to us. 
Well, you mentioned the idea and the difficulty of tracking engagement and uh, tracking uh, management's response to proposals. And I know that at AB, uh, there's been a significant investment in technology to create a structure for managing that called eSight. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about eSight, what it is, and uh, what you hope it will accomplish over time. Yeah, so eSight is something I'm really excited about. It's a research collaboration platform that we built last year and launched early this year in 2019. So we're in the early days of using it, but it's essentially a knowledge center for all of these environmental, social, and governance issues, as well as a place for our researchers around the globe to input the research they're doing with a company on one of these topics, capture it, and make it available to all the other equity and fixed income investors to learn from, right? So it's really building out a proprietary research database of all these issues. And then the final component of it is really to track management engagements. So we now have a platform where we can say we engage the company on this issue. Here was the date of the engagement. Here's who was there. And here's what management committed to. And we can put in the system, we're going to follow up in six months, nine months, 12 months, and a calendar reminder will pop up to that analyst say, oh, I'm going to follow up on this. And the idea is that we can more systematically track um, these engagements and the impact they're having, right? So I'm very excited about it. And from what I can understand in talking to people in the industry, no one's really pulled this together, um, particularly to have collaboration across fixed income and equities. Um, And when we start talking about it in a meeting where maybe the person wasn't paying close attention to what I was saying, when I talk about that, they suddenly put their pen down and say, I'd like to learn more about that. I have, this is something I haven't heard before. So we're pretty excited. Well, I look forward to having you back to hear more about how uh, eSight adds to the investment process in, in the years ahead. So the one thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up, uh, in our earlier episode, we talked specifically about some investment strategies that are really focused on responsible investing that are part of the purpose-driven allocation. Maybe you can highlight for me the importance of having engagement integrated across all of the investment strategies, whether or not they have some specific responsible investing mandate. Because my understanding is we're really talking about all of the investment teams at AB, not just the ones that are focused specifically on on ESG investing. Yeah, very interesting question, um, Travis, because I think that we sometimes think there's responsible investing and then there's all other investing. And it's really not that way today because being a responsible investor is simply being a smart investor. Um, I'd say where we differentiate is whether there are portfolios that have a specific purpose where this, you know, the impact from your investments looms particularly large. But even if you're running a long, short U.S. equity fund, you have to pay attention to some of these key environmental, social, or governance issues if you're doing holistic research on a company, because these issues today are driving stock prices. 
And those who aren't paying attention to it are really going to miss either return opportunities or have a lot more risk in their portfolios than they understand. Sharon, thank you. I really enjoyed that conversation, and we look forward to having you back on the podcast in the future. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more, please see the link in this episode's description. Also, we look forward to hearing from you. Please email us with your thoughts, questions, and feedback to insights at Bernstein.com. You can find us on Twitter at BernsteinPWM and rate us on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.